0: Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to the Synchronicity Podcast. I'm your host, Destin, and I'm joined, as always, by the indomitable and ever-hard-to-please Kobe.
1: You know, I don't think it's me that's hard-to-please. I think movies are just bad as an art form.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a debate there, right? I mean, are movies an art form? I don't know. Okay, well, I don't want to get philosophical here. I just want to say,
1: from the bottom of my heart, I think films suck, and I think this podcast
0: is a waste of time. Why do we have a movie podcast that makes <laughs> movies suck? What, what, what the hell?
1: I think it makes an interesting back and forth, you know? You love movies and I think they should be burned.
0: You think they should be burned? Is that is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> Look. Like like a book burning?
1: If that's the format you want to do it in, I'd be I'd be down.
0: Jesus. Okay. Well, you see, folks, even even now, I am I, still learning things about my, my co-host. Uh, Kobe is, is the man with no five-star reviews to his name. Look,
1: there is nothing perfect in this world. That is, that is just a fact. So if you watch a movie and you think that was perfect, I mean, what were your eyes doing in
0: the last two and a half
1: hours, you know? Certainly well, not mean, watching the movie. Come on.
0: I mean, I don't, I don't entirely disagree with you on on that definition of perfection. I don't think there is anything that's perfect, but to to have your highest rating be a, a three, that's pretty ridiculous. Look, I I just like to feel
1: neutral about things and film. While most of the time it makes me feel kind of, you know, like, like, what's what's the point of this? Sometimes I could spare middle of the road rating.
0: I could, you know. What 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 is a middle of the road rating for you? Why don't you tell our audience?
1: God, I don't know. There really aren't that many. I think um, Thor, Thor the Dark World is a it's a middle of the road movie, you know? There's a there's nothing inherently awful about it other than most of it, but I still feel neutral about it, you know? I don't really feel anything towards it.
0: Man, I, to be honest, I haven't even thought about Thor to the Dark World, uh, at the very least, since Thor Ragnarok was released, but even before that, it was a very forgettable movie, and here you are saying that you can still feel neutral about it.
1: <laughs> hey, n- neutrality neutrality is better than positivity in my book, because positivity, I'm, I'm looking for something for cheap thrills. I'm trying to keep my ever, you know, ever-rotting existence, I'm trying to keep it afloat and Films that make me feel good are just just drugs.
0: Huh. Yeah, okay. Well, so anyway, before the show, Kobe and I were having a, a debate on a series of movies that's very important to us, and that would be the, the two, I, I, I think there's only two, I mean, we're such big fans, so I feel like I should know, the two Rugrats movies produced by Nickelodeon in the early 2000s. Now, Kobe is a fan of the the original Rugrats movie, and I'm more of a fan of The Rugrats Go to Paris. Uh, personally, The Rugrats Go to Paris is, is a contender for my favorite foreign film. Uh, we were also having an argument about this. Uh, how do you define a foreign film? Well, Kobe says, you know, it's a it's a language thing. It's about where the movie was made, etc. I think a foreign film is any movie set in a foreign country, and you know what, the Rugrats they do in fact go to Paris. So, hey, right?
1: Okay, I will say before before I comment on your your stupid argument for foreign films, you know, just being about where they take place, because. My favorite Rugrats movie is not the original. My favorite Rugrats movie is a Rugrats Passover, okay? You know, you got religion, you got babies,
0: you got wait, animation. Wait. Does this actually exist?
1: This is, this is a real movie, and it is my favorite.
0: They, they made, is it, is it a special? Like, they, they, they really took the time to cover Passover? Look, I'm looking at it right now on Letterboxd. It looks pretty real to me. Did they, did they cover any other religions, or is this religious <laughs> bias on behalf of Nickelodeon? uh they have a rugrats uh
1: hanukkah oh oh that's awesome (laughs) yeah uh which is much higher rated than a rugrats passover oh it's actually the same rating never mind Mm. well i mean i guess good on
0: nickelodeon for being (laughs) inclusive right (laughs) where's a rugrats christmas oh there it is never mind well yeah i mean they (laughs) of course had a rugrats christmas i mean come on
1: okay yeah okay uh Come on. You have been talking about on. the war on Christmas.
0: Jesus yeah, come God. on. The Rugrats aren't going to war against Christmas. Yeah, they're babies. What no are they going to do? Yeah. No, the, the Rugrats are here to teach us about all these religions, you know, and, <laughs> and, and teach us about religious inclusiveness, right? <laughs> I've always preferred Rugrats to Veggie Tales, to be honest. Yeah, me too. I mean, you need animated babies <laughs> to tell you about life. Who is I mean, closer that's, to that's God? mean, that's what the Rugrats were they they were little philosophers crawling around in their in their basically a cage i mean the rugrats was an interesting show let's let's get that out of the way first
1: who's closer to god than babies truly
0: (laughs) well uh, (laughs) i i won't disagree with you there Uh, you, you have a point so anyway though we were having this argument about foreign movies and and now to get real with you folks obviously i don't think the rugrats go to paris whatever the title that movie is i don't think that's a foreign film i I, i'm just pulling your leg here but the focus of this episode is on a foreign film kobe and i were both massive fans of foreign cinema we like the movies that uh, come out of japan A lot we I'm a big fan of uh, French cinema and and new wave French cinema Um, but the both of us were both huge fans of the wave of Korean cinema that started in the late 90s with Park Chan-wook and Bong Joon-ho this episode we're going to be talking about uh, a specific Bong or uh, sorry not Bong Joon-ho Park Chan-wook movie uh, from the year 2000, called Joint Security Area. Uh, Joint Security Area is a interesting take on the demilitarized zone that separates North and South Korea. Now, if any of you know what the DMZ is, and I'm sure most of you will, having a movie set around a topic like the DMZ is already interesting. But there's there's so many politics and um, just little bits of philosophy surrounding the DMZ that I, I, I find really interesting. And I think that Park Chan-wook's movie did a really good job of capturing those oddities. I'm going to hand it over to Kobe to give his thoughts first. So, Kobe, you can go right ahead. Okay, well, I'll begin with
1: this. Um, this movie is not at all what I expected. I I was expecting a pretty... Wholly dramatic, um, sort of just something like challenging. I guess. Uh, I suppose I forgot about the the whole Park Chan Wook label on it because I think Park Chan Wook's movies are all uh, very uh, challenging. They're all sort of um, dramatic, obviously, but they always have this like air of uh, weird, kind of out there ideas. Um, like Old Boy is uh, based almost entirely around a really like uh, taboo idea and uh, there's certain ways that he films it and uh, the way uh, Odaisu like acts throughout it and it's it's kind of off-putting but that's that's part of why I love that movie so much and this movie uh, sorry Uh, you're Please, your thoughts.
0: No, I, I didn't have a thought, Kobe. You can keep going. <laughs> I <laughs> <Okay>. was agreeing.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Um, this film, I think, is like, it kind of turns that up a little bit, but it's still very grounded in reality. Um, I think I think it's dated in some ways just because of, um, like there's this scene with uh, one of the main characters, uh He's attempting to commit suicide and he jumps out a window. And there's this, um, there's kind of this like goofy, uh, camera turn that, uh, you go from one of the main character's eyes and it like shoots out to what he's seeing. And it's him falling like, uh, outside of the building, just outside the window. And it like flips and you see all this glass falling. And he's, it, it's, it's kind of goofy and I guess it could take you out a little bit, but. Uh, I don't know I guess that that kind of weird stuff is is really enjoyable to me um and then I think the first twenty minutes of this movie are the uh the weakest, but I think once you get past that it's it's worth it because um there's there's like so much joy that comes from the interactions between uh all four of the main characters um that being like the it's uh, South Korean and the North Korean uh, soldiers and it's it's just like a really it's a weirdly heartwarming movie like it feels it feels nice to watch and really it it comes like it comes as a huge surprise when you have this shock to your senses like you're feeling kind of happy and you're like oh I, I love these characters I love the way they're interacting it's like I like I like the way that they're connecting despite the fact that they're on uh, opposite sides of the border, but then you know uh, something happens. Like uh, I'm trying to think of an example of the shootout. The shootout towards the end, um, like it comes at the end of the film, but it just it just hits you in the face. Like you knew it was going to happen the whole movie because that's what it's set up on this investigation of the shooting. But it's it's like all the more heartbreaking when you actually see that in context of the rest of the movie and that is what I loved so much about this I think honestly um, like I said it's a little dated but this is probably my like, second favorite Park Chan-wook movie that I've seen so far it's just so unique and it feels almost like it's just going to be a normal kind of uh, military-like story whatever And it just kind of turns you on its head, and it barely focuses on, like, this conflict and more so the camaraderie between uh, the two sides.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would agree. And I totally agree with you on the uh, first 20 minutes of the movie being the weakest. Um, I think that uh, some of the parts that have aged the poorest are the English-speaking portions. Mm.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: yeah, I, the the Korean actors were all fantastic, as as you'd expect in any Park Chan Wook movie. Mm-hmm. But the the acting from the non Korean actors was almost porn tier to me. <laughs> yeah, it it wasn't great. It, like
1: I don't know, they probably are actually like Swiss or um, or one of them was was from Switzerland, and was the other one from like Sweden.
0: Yeah, so the. I think the the blonde man that she was working with most directly, our, our main character, he was from Sweden and then the captain who was or whatever his rank was, who was in charge of the like Swiss Swedish neutral zone within the demilitarized zone mm-hmm. uh he was Swiss.
1: Yeah. Those characters, to be honest, felt like they were putting on a fake accent. Like like that that wasn't where they really were from, uh, when they spoke English, it's just like the weirdest thing. It does not feel at all. Like it doesn't feel right. It just feels so, it's like it's on a separate track, uh, like super isolated from the, I don't know. It's so weird to hear it and it, it doesn't feel right at all.
0: Well, and while I was watching, I was wondering, in fact, if they ADR'd some of those lines in post, because you're right, they didn't really feel like they were lines that they took during filming. There was something really out of place. It it kind of felt like straight out of the room, to be honest. Yeah, which for how fantastic the rest of the movie was, it was really, really, really odd yeah. how bad those parts are. And, you know, you'll notice that more in earlier foreign films and i would say earlier korean films uh the host is a really good example Mm -hmm. the host has some really awkward and stilted uh english-speaking performances Mm -hmm. early on very strong movie just Mm -hmm. like this but you have these english-speaking characters who are just bizarrely bad (laughs) and I, I, i don't know i'm wondering if it's if it's maybe not hard for these foreign directors to direct speakers of languages that are not their own
1: (laughs) right well i guess that's like that's valid because obviously if you speak korean then you know you know what sounds natural for you to say like a certain line and stuff like that but if you're like talking about english in a specific accent that you don't know and you don't speak it's probably going to come out a little weirder like you might intend it and it sounds fine in Korean, but you translate that to English and all of a sudden you have these actors speaking kind of like shaky Out-of-place lines.
0: Yeah, I I mean I think that has to be what it is uh, I am a I'm a fan of anime Kobe you are not as much but th- this happens in anime a lot too where they will I mean I don't sometimes you have Japanese voice actors who are doing English lines and that's awkward in and of itself, but that's mm-hmm. understandable mm-hmm. other times it feels like they go and they find the first like foreigner that they find on the street and they pull them into the studio.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, these, it, it, it doesn't sound professional and yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. It doesn't mesh with the rest of what's there. And that's kind of yeah. what it feels like happened in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, I was reminded in the first 20 minutes, it reminded me of scenes from the Pierce Brosnan, James Bond films, which are not horrible, Mm-hmm. but they also haven't aged as well as some of the older James Bond films.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, yeah, I don't know. I was a bit worried that those characters were going to keep popping up and taking <laughs> me out of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But thankfully, they didn't. And and truly, the rest of the movie was fantastic. I don't know if it's up there in my favorite Park Chan-wook movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the ones I've seen, I'd say it's maybe middle line. But... It was still fantastic. And, and the relationship between the four soldiers, uh, the the two South Korean soldiers and the two North Korean soldiers, is really interesting, like you said. I mean, it, it, it's, it shows this, like, brilliant camaraderie that can still form even in a tense and difficult place like the DMZ.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think the part I liked a lot is how... From the beginning, it almost establishes. Um, apologies if, if I'm saying this wrong. Uh, Shin Ha Kyung, he's like the. He's not Song King Ho. He's the other North Korean soldier. Um, they sort of establish him as like just like a side character, but once it sort of get in, uh, gets into it, they're they're all important. Like all four of them become main characters rather than having one. South Korean soldier, or one North Korean soldier being more important than the other. Um, like Kim Tae-woo, the other South Korean soldier. Um, they, they're they all like just as important in the entire context and at the end of the film, whereas I went into it thinking they're going to be less important uh, simply because um, it, I guess this is like just like a weird reason to not associate them, but I've seen uh, Lee Byung-hun and Song Kang-ho in quite a few Korean movies at this point. So I already established them as, like, main character material.
0: Yeah, well, and, and the both of us are big fans of Song Kang-ho. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we absolutely love seeing him in any movie. So it's like I, I have this, this mindset going in, and
1: seeing these other two characters have established de- uh, depth and, like, actual character is really nice to see
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I mean the that kind of builds throughout the whole movie. Like like you're right. It, it, they establish the the two sergeants from either side as as kind of being the main characters in the beginning because they they' they're the two characters who have given depositions to the the neutral, um, you know, whatever agency mm-hmm. the the Swedish and, and Swiss agency that is monitoring all of this and investigating they they're, they give their depositions and you know you think that they are the most like critical characters and all this but as as the movie stretches on and the relationship between the four of these characters gets explored uh you're right i mean each each character ends up being really important to the greater conflict that is established and i think there's there's some really like interesting politics at play in this movie too mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really cool, and I, I I like how Park, you know, chose to display both sides. It, he wasn't really like at all negative towards the North, and he wasn't like overly boisterous or proud with the South. Mm-hmm. He gave them like both a really neutral perspective, mm-hmm. and I like that because that that fits with the idea of what the DMZ is to begin with, and. You know, it, he expands on that and expands on that by having, you know, the, the the South Korean soldiers they're sharing their culture with the North, and the North is sharing their culture with the South, and you know these characters they're they're different, but at the at the same time, it's only been fifty years since the Korean Peninsula was unified,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so yeah, their cultures have gone in wildly different ways. But at the at the same time, they're still very much people of the same country, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. You know, they're not they're not so different by this point that they can't find common ground.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the uh, the division between the countries, obviously, like the length of that and how long it's been since the Korean War. Obviously, they're going to have their differences because they've been isolated from each other for so long. But the important thing to remember is that uh, the people aren't their country. Uh, The people aren't their government. Um, A lot of people hold a lot of pride in their countries or their governments. But it's always important to uh, distinguish someone from those that lead them. Like, just because uh, Russia's president is this, like, egomaniac uh, dictator does not mean that the people are going to, like, hold his values true and love and respect Vladimir Putin. I'm sure, you know, there's plenty that do, but just because you meet a Russian person doesn't mean they're, like, uh, holding all of their uh, loyalty to the state. Now, in a state like North Korea obviously um it's a lot more difficult to have a individual uh appearance and sort of distinguish yourself from the government but i think this movie does a really well really great job at um establishing that these people are more than what is on the outside they're more than just they're more than their country
0: yeah yeah right and and uh, yeah and you you keep seeing that come out that even even though they have these divisions that do exist they like I was saying earlier they do find common ground and and they this common ground seems to grow and there's many times throughout the course of the movie and when you're seeing these interactions between the four soldiers where each like the the, the south and the north guys they, They're almost anxious that the other two from the other side are maybe trying to trap them or bring them over to their side, you know, convert them, basically. Mm -hmm. I would say that the the South soldiers are more concerned with this. Mm -hmm. They they bring it up more. But there's this, like, sense of, like, oh, we're friends with them. We're such good friends with them. But... What if they're just as, you know, nice and cool and great friends as they are because they're trying to bring us over to their side. They're trying to get us to defect. Mm-hmm.
1: There's there's this scene um, in the movie where uh, there's this tourist and they're visiting the DMZ and her hat flies off and goes um, over the border into the north. And it's like this weirdly tense moment because it's like, Oh, is she going to, you know, try to get it and something's going to go wrong. And uh, Song Kang Ho's character just picks up the hat and, like, hands it to um, one of the, I think, like, U.S. officers on the South Korean side to give it back to her. And he says something as they're going into the the building. He says, um, what I just did could have got me in, like, a huge amount of trouble. I could have been executed for that and it's like that line um it displays this this immediate like uh fear of what could go wrong on the northern side and i'd say it's valid obviously the dmz is not a uh like a super happy um like calming place obviously there's there's some no it's it's very tense yeah yeah there's anxiety there but like not everyone is going to you know Oh, your hat flew over here. I'm I should shoot you now. You know, like it's it's easy to associate fear with these people, but not all of them are going to be, you know, want to carry out these super exaggerated deeds by the state.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and you're, with that with talking about that scene, you remind me that the the very last shot of the movie mm-hmm. is a photograph, a still From one of the tourist cameras and it it slowly pans over the image and reveals that both groups of soldiers are all of the the dudes that we've been following up to this point they're all present in this photo Mm -hmm. and it's kind of this like you know it puts a smile on your face Mm -hmm. even though you you know what went wrong and all the bad things that happened because you can see them even even here even in plain sight Part of the reason that that interaction was as smooth and friendly as it was be, was because they all knew each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and they—they're all there, standing as friends, and you can even see it in in their faces. Mm-hmm. They—they have softer looks than the the rest of the soldiers present in that frame. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> there's this um, there's this other scene that I think, like, establishes this this really great. Uh, divide in this movie between like comedy and like really potent drama where they're standing on the border and they're like spitting at each other and it's it's just like this really comedic funny scene but then you have scenes towards the end where uh, of course you have Lee Byung-hun's character kill himself because it's like he he did something he didn't want to do he he uh, basically partook in killing people, uh, or killing one person at the very least, that he, he cared about, and he's been separated from someone he truly cares about in Song King hos character, and obviously Song King ho has to uh, make things seem like uh, he hates him and he's a capitalist pig and that he doesn't want him to, you know, he never wanted to partake in any of it, and there's this really great, uh, balance of, of comedic moments, but also really like gut-wrenching stuff. And that, that shows up a lot in Park Chan-wook's movies. And I think despite the fact that this is one of his earlier films, it still shows up in spades.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. You can definitely see in this movie aspects of the Vengeance trilogy. He he, one thousand percent like took ideas that were present in this movie and brought that in to how he made movies through the rest of the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really do think it it speaks to the brotherhood of the characters too, as you say that they they have to act this certain way, but they they do that. They don't throw each other to the wolves at that point. They mm-hmm. they still try to protect each other, mm-hmm. and I think that's really beautiful too because you have. These two colossal forces, and then you have, you know, obviously the looming shadow force over everything, the u s mm-hmm. you know, I mean, talk about North and South Korea all you want. But the most terrifying force on this DMZ on this border is the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it plays into the the politics of that at times, too. Um you know, there's multiple times where, uh, both characters both both sides talk about well how if war was to break out that it wouldn't really matter like oh sure they might have to fight each other but it really wouldn't matter because the entire peninsula would be in essence glassed anyway yeah <laughs> uh so you know it, it plays into these dynamics and i i think that park chan wook criticizes in some senses the the presence of uh, the United States, and not only of the United States, but of the more neutral powers like Sweden and Switzerland, you know, there's a line where the the Swiss, again, whatever whatever rank the the actor that I wasn't too fond of with the glasses <laughs> had, he's you know talking about these defectors from North and South Korea, these seventy six defectors, and how well the the swedish and the swiss wouldn't help them and so he asked how like really humanitarian their neutral their neutrality at the dmz can actually be mm-hmm. and and so there i i feel like there's these critiques on the foreign presences in the korean peninsula and how they are continuing i guess to stoke these divisions mm-hmm. and i think you'll see that a lot even talking with people on the southern side and on the northern side, if you could. Obviously, the northern side is going to see us in the United States in a much more negative light because of the propaganda machine, but even in the south, I'm sure that there are people who would be happy if the U.S. would move our troops out of that land because just the presence of them being there is a, a deterrent, sure, but it also is, you know, it's it's a gun mm-hmm. pointed right at North Korea's head. So it begs this question of like, well, is it even possible for these divisions to be mended while the U.S. is occupying South Korea?
1: It, it always feels like there's some foreign world power trying to uh, quell any possible flames that may arise between like opposing countries. But... I think as we've seen throughout world history a lot of the time that only makes it worse and it'll just delay a conflict or it will make it more grandiose than ever expected uh like the vietnam war for example um while you know it may be hard to to stand back and and maybe watch a country that well it's it's hard it's hard to say because you can't go back and talk to Vietnamese people on either side and ask them do you want this you know it's pure it's purely based on the opinions of the governments so if South Vietnam if the South Vietnamese government doesn't want to be uh, communist then the U.S. steps in and tries to push back the communist invaders with you know huge quotations it's
0: massive quotations yeah yeah (laughs) Because I'm the not, U.S., um, as, as always, has innumerable other interests right. in defeating communism that don't just boil down to defeating communism. <laughs> right. So it's like, I'm sure there were uh,
1: plenty of people that don't want that. They don't want communism coming down to South Vietnam. They want to remain what they were. But there is no way to know unless you ask the people. So by stepping in and preventing things for our own interests as a world superpower, we're just intersecting on these people's lives and potentially ruining them, you know, like Vietnam fires of,
0: of war and of hatred. Yeah.
1: Like Vietnam, uh, is forever changed and, uh, absolutely just covered in, in, uh, mines and uh punji traps and like everything it's 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 been forever changed by our country's um stepping in and so is korea korea probably more so and that i'm sure they would still be divided without our stepping in but I, i don't think it helped obviously that we decided it was our
0: problem yeah well, and no shortage of other countries, too, of course, you know, in the Middle East. I mean, all of these places will forever be changed by U.S. intervention. And, you know, I don't we don't need to get too deep into politics. We'll try and stay on topic with mm-hmm. what the movie was about. But, you know, I mean, it's it, it's that classic American imperialism at work. And I, I like that without making the entire point of the movie about that Park Chan-wook found these little ways to critique that Mm -hmm. both he and Bong Joon-ho are fantastic at critiquing real social issues in the subtext of their movies Mm -hmm. obviously I don't there's not a lot of interpretations that you can have about Parasite (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that's there's a bunch of things hidden in the subtext of Parasite sure but the greater message of the movie And I mean, unless you're completely blind to any kind of social issue should be pretty understandable, Mm -hmm. but it's still, I mean, it's one of the most like fantastic and metered uh, grasps on the division of wealth and these issues that really do exist in society. He found, you know, really interesting ways to portray this that aren't just like, you know, writing it in the script and saying it out loud and and that's the same thing with this movie there's there's obviously these little political statements being made but it's not in it's not really in the script it's it's in the energy of the movie
1: yeah certainly i think most korean movies i've seen at this point minus a couple have some sort of greater message that's maybe easy to see but still uh, valuable And, uh, there obviously there's, there's greater subtext, like you said, but the main message is always pretty clear. Um, but I think like Korean movies in particular, for whatever reason, always seem to have a just a huge amount of depth, despite a pretty simple and easy to understand idea. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think, uh, Japanese cinema is, is much the same. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's a a level in maybe in both of these cultures at least in the Japanese culture for sure where a lot of these things go unsaid in their cultures mm-hmm. so it feels like they kind of use the the subtext of their art to to talk about these social issues.
1: I, the first example I thought of um with this movie is Kurosawa's uh, Rashomon which you haven't seen, right? I haven't seen it yet, so we'll yeah. avoid spoilers for that. <laughs> um, just overall, that movie is about uh, different takes on one event, you know, in like in like a courtroom. It's like a courtroom drama, mm-hmm. and that reminded me very much of this. And that you have uh, these these characters trying to protect each other by being vague or by not talking to this neutral power. Um, and it's, it's, it's very like comparative, but I think, I think this film is a bit more, um, it's less about the, the, the conflict that it revolves around and more about like brotherhood.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, our, our investigator, our, our main character played by, uh, Lee Young A, she she actually by the end of the movie after completing her investigation and she, you know, she, she does figure everything out, but she actually at the conclusion of the film does embody neutrality. I would say by not by choosing not to take her findings to any of the people in command, Mm -hmm. you know, she decides to truly remain neutral and, uh, she's being taken off of the case anyway. So she really doesn't have any obligation Mm -hmm. to take any of this information to anyone anyway, but she decides decides to preserve this remaining relationship and, and subtext between these two surviving characters. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting character development too, because she's kind of prevented as this like almost hard boiled detective character who is, you know, hard out for the truth and, Mm -hmm sure she finds the truth but it's what she chooses to do with the truth at the end that i think is is more evocative and interesting as a whole
1: yeah i didn't i didn't quite like the whole like investigation uh, side of the story until the very end i think because as you said she embodies this this full neutrality she um she begins or
0: or again as we were talking about her Uh, commander in the swiss neutrality office Mm -hmm. she also takes on a more humanitarian edge yeah because you're seeing the um
1: like all all they care about is making sure the con the conflict is is quelled and everything is returned to normal Uh, There's no fighting. There's no investigation into some side thing. There's no conflict between the North and South. That's all they want. They don't care about what happens as long as everything turns out
0: fine for them or for the world stage. If the truth did come out, it would be bad for everyone involved at the DMZ. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, like I said, there's layers upon layers to like this conflict that's going on and the subtext is really important for everyone involved so I
1: guess how did you feel about the movie overall like adding everything together how do you feel
0: well I you know I think it's a, a really interesting and leveled mystery and I would say political thriller with some some really strong feelings of brotherhood and camaraderie that can form between a Two sides that seem at first completely divided, but maybe they have more similarities than than at first they would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, if I'm if I'm gonna give it a, a numerical rating, again, it's not my favorite Park Chan book movie. I'd still give it a four out of five, though.
1: Yeah, I uh, I really value the uh, with how much it's dated in that it's you know there's some aspects to it that feel a little off today, but in terms of subject matter alone it's still highly relevant today and uh I, I think it's immensely entertaining as well Um honestly I'm kind of feeling a four and a half on this one
0: okay great yeah I mean and, and like you say there there are aspects that are aged and bring it down we talked about the acting I think there's some pretty bad special effects mm-hmm. not a lot you know, it's not aged like the monster in the host is, which you see the monster in the host a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's part of all of that. There's some pretty bad effects at a, at a couple portions in this movie, though, that, I I mean, you can really start to see its age. Thankfully, the scale of the movie, like the, the scale of the story is big, obviously, but the scale of the shooting and, and the production is fairly small. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of scenes of just, you know, characters talking with each other and, you know, single shot in a room, whatever. So you don't have a lot of like the bad special effects. Uh, I will say that the the type setting in this movie, like on the title sequences <laughs> yeah. and the the banners telling you, you know, like what time all of the these events <laughs> happened in the movie. Yeah feels immediately 2000s yeah
1: yeah for sure like i that's the kind of stuff i associate with like a like a steven seagal movie in the early 2000s for sure
0: yeah well, and, and like i say thankfully the rest of the movie is in, in its content is so good that those elements don't really weigh it down at all like yeah the, the english acting the special effects None of that had any effect on my rating. Mm-hmm. Overall, I my opinion is just that I think that the cinematography and the acting is overall a little bit better in the movies of the Vengeance trilogy. And mm-hmm. uh, as we'll talk about in a, a little bit here, my personal favorite Park Chan-wook movie, The Handmaiden. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I think it's, it's really deserving of a four and... Your four and a half sounds good, too, to me.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for approving my rating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> and as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, Kobe doesn't rate anything above a three, so you should know <laughs> how amazing this movie is if he's rating it a four and a half, right? <laughs> I do quite like it, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, anyway folks, we're going to talk about, in the, in the last segment of our podcast today, we're going to talk about... Some of the other Park Chan-wook movies that we've seen, Kobe and I, we haven't seen everything that Park Chan-wook has done, but we've seen the majority, and I feel like we've seen, especially now with joint security area, the important beats. We both still want to see Thirst, which has Song Kang-ho in it. And as I said earlier, he's one of our favorite actors now. (laughs) So some of the other movies that I'm seeing in his filmography don't really interest me. That much <laughs> but but thirst will definitely i think still watch at some point right uh, yeah i i wouldn't say a lot of these are on my
1: priorities but they're certainly uh i'm still interested like uh three extremes with both uh Chan wook and takashi Mike is is certainly interesting and by the directing uh capacity there alone
0: well and so then i i think we should just touch on first uh, the the Vengeance trilogy, mm-hmm. which aside from the Handmaiden, is probably what Park Chan Wook is most well known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably, Old Boy. Obviously, I think that's the one that has the most widespread appeal. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of people who don't even know what sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance are, mm-hmm. but they will, you know, if you bring up Park Chan Wook, they will know what Old Boy is. For me, uh, and I think obviously for Kobe too, Old Boy is the the standout of that trilogy. Yeah, uh, I mean, Old Boy is like pretty from Park Chan Wook anyway, pretty close to perfection. <laughs> I feel like
1: I, I just don't get sick of watching it. Like, is as brutal and as like disturbing as it can be. It's it's just never tiring
0: to watch for me. Well, and I think. Old Boy for me too is and and mind you, you know, I'm not I'm not some like film school dropout or whatever, but I'm gonna bring up his Mizen Sen. Mm-hmm. The way that Park Chan Wook, and, and again, this especially starts in Old Boy, carries scenes. So scene from scene to scene to scene. There's this it's almost like poetry at times. It it almost has like a meter. Mm-hmm. Like it's so clean and everything just keeps coming and adding up to this explosive conclusion.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, my personal favorite Park Chan-wook movie and also a, a member of my top five favorite movies of all time at this point, The Handmaiden, is that that's like his mise-en-scene reaching this, like, pinnacle, in my opinion, mm-hmm. where he he drops just these little details constantly throughout The Handmaiden. And little by little by little by little by little, you start to, without the movie ever having to tell you anything, you start to put together what's happening. And every, like, light bulb that goes off, it just makes the the movie more invigorating and exciting for me um i know you know kobe he didn't like the handmaiden as much as i did he likes old boy better Mm -hmm. but old boy and the handmaiden are both examples i feel of park chan wook's perfectionist qualities in in what he's looking for
1: (laughs) it's it's been a long time since i've seen the handmaiden um and it definitely warrants a rewatch but uh i definitely remember at the very least that it's it's very intricate, and um, as you said in your letterbox review, like a spider web, it's uh, there's so many of these small details, larger details, uh, side characters, main characters, whatever, and they all like keep connecting to each other as the, as the film goes on, and you're just getting this this greater idea as to what's going on and this really elegant uh, transition from from scene to scene as uh, similar to what you said Um, and like I said or like you said it's not my favorite but it's certainly one of the more interesting and just generally like enthralling films that I've seen from Park Chan-wook
0: yeah I mean it's it's almost mesmerizing and again I, I feel like old boy is the same way it's but it's mesmerizing it The movie never feels its length. I mean, all of, like, Joint Security Area is actually on the short end of the scale for a Park Chan-wook movie at uh, just under two hours. Mm -hmm. Old Boy and The Handmaiden are both, you know, well over two, approaching three. Mm -hmm. And they never feel like that. You know, like, you can watch some two-and-a-half, three-hour movies and, as great as they are they'll feel it'll feel like you watched a three-hour movie mm-hmm. by the time you're done but not with the old boy and not with the handmaiden because they just kind of mesmerize you and pull you deeper and deeper and deeper into the story that's unraveling in front of you and it, it, it's like even though i wouldn't i mean obviously these stories are mysteries it, it's like a good mystery novel it's like It keeps you guessing just enough to where you're constantly engaged.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And again, my statements here apply to both Old Boy and The Handmaiden, which I feel like, in terms of their filmmaking qualities, are. I I think that The Handmaiden is better shot, but you have, you know, 10 more years of experience at this point Mm -hmm. going into it. But the mise en scene, the, the formatting of the. How the movie's going together is really really wonderful
1: i I actually love how to me the handmaiden and old boy almost feel uh like polar opposites because I think old boy's a lot grimier and uh, sort of in your face disgusting, not disgusting in that it's like uh you know, like, I, I don't want to watch, but it's it's a lot more um, dark feeling and uh, grimier, like I said. Whereas The I, Yeah, I,
0: it, it's definitely on the grimier side yeah. of things.
1: <laughs> Whereas The Handmaiden is, like, like I said, elegant and uh, almost like gold laced and just beautiful in a really weird way because there are a lot of not very beautiful parts of the handmaiden but it still feels as like a, as a total complete project it feels uh beautiful
0: yeah and I, I think it's that kind of poetry vibe again the handmaiden really does feel like poetry at times it, it like watching the scenes it feels like it reads like poetry almost mm-hmm. and i i mean as a which it is as a lgbtq Movie, I think it also is is really stand-up because it's not it's not telling this like really um, blatantly in-your-face mm-hmm. obvious story But it the way that it's conveying it and and this like relationship between these two characters especially given the setting mm-hmm. Is so interesting and it's so it's it's sensual and it's deep um and it, it just keeps expanding out and enveloping all these characters and i mean yeah like i said absolutely wonderful
1: in a sense both movies to me feel like love stories um but the handmaiden is like you said sensual whereas old boy is sort of unfortunate and uh tragic because of obviously uh the big twist at the end uh with which, by the way, if you haven't seen Old Boy, please, for the love of God, don't
0: don't let me spoil it for you. Um, well, I mean, and hopefully, don't let us spoil any of these yeah, movies yeah. for you. They're all fantastic. Absolutely, all worth watching.
1: I think um, they're one of a kind experiences. Uh, but like with Old Boy, like I said, it's it's tragic because you find out that this woman that he like fell in love with throughout the story is his daughter and. It's it's like disgusting, and you're like thinking in your head, and you're like, oh my god, that's you know, it's. Well, it's, I mean, it's it's the big Shyamalan twist at the end, really. Yeah, right, and it just makes you feel like so disgusted in how everything that that he's done has been like orchestrated by this this person who feels you know wronged by Odaisu, and it just it feels so like awful in your, in your head and the handmaiden is, it it feels like you're rooting for them and you're rooting for, for the couple in old boy, I guess. But obviously once that's revealed, you're like, you don't know how to feel anymore.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that goes into you calling it a tragedy for sure. I would say the handmaiden is anything but a tragedy, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but at the end of the handmaiden, they effectively win they get away and everything is pretty hunky-dory for our two main characters Mm -hmm. that i mean it's it's definitely a much more difficult (laughs) conclusion to old boy Mm -hmm. i mean both of the characters that we've been following in old boy survive Mm -hmm. but the the situation being what it is (laughs) makes things much more complicated like is it really a happy ending Right, and i I like I say, I would call the ending of the handmaiden happy, whereas the ending of old boy is much more of a a mixed bag. He said <laughs> yeah. you don't know how to feel, you don't know how you should feel mm-hmm. on one hand, you could be happy that they both survived their ordeal, mm-hmm. but it's it's a conflict at the same time
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i I mean again, I think that speaks to Spark Chan, uh, Park Park Chan wooks ability as a Director and a creator to to get this vision across without it I mean, especially in the case of old boy like old boy could have been such a mess
2: mm-hmm.
0: You know, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's such an interesting Story, but it could have gone so wrong in so many ways And it could have become so easy to not take it serious <laughs> and and it, it, just have it be this goofy thing. I mean, that kind of did happen with um Spike uh oh, yeah. Spike Lee's uh you know, kind of lazy <laughs> uh remake. Yeah. <laughs> but with the original, it it never gets to that goofy point. It it always manages to stay serious despite how even absurd some of the things that are happening. Mhm. You know, really become. <laughs> it's
1: it's such a messy movie, but in like the best way. Yeah, it, it's
0: it's the good kind of mess.
1: Yeah, and it flows so well despite that messiness, and yeah, you're just like so like offput throughout the whole thing, and it it's just like a punch in the gut at the end.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's not it's not at first. I would say the easiest movie to digest. Mm-hmm. But I do think for anyone who's considering sitting down to watch it, it, it it should keep you entertained the whole way through. It's such an entertaining movie No matter what your like final conclusion or feeling on the movie will be, it's so entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's worth it from that point alone
1: And just like all of other all of the other uh, Park and Wok movies, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's still a great, blend of comedy and drama despite how high the stakes are in old boy or how high the stakes are in the handmaiden um, like you have uh, odaisu gets to the place that he's been locked up for for 20 years and there's there's this part where he shows up behind the guy sitting in the chair just making sure nobody is like getting out of their cells or whatever feed them and you know he he raises up his hammer and there's like these these dotted line this dotted line that just goes down to his head and it's it's like it's just a really funny moment in in such a It's serious funny, movie. but
0: you know, it's it's clever too oh, at the yeah. same time. I feel like it's yeah it could have just been a, a bog standard action scene, but mm-hmm. those little touches brought life into it. Right. Uh,
1: I can't remember specifically from The Handmaiden because it's been so long, and I think I, I obviously I've rewatched old boy a couple times um and i, I obviously i want to talk about the, the vengeance the other two movies in the vengeance uh trilogy as well um specifically i think lady vengeance has a lot of a lot more humor than uh sympathy for mr vengeance for example and the humor almost feels like sadistic which i think adds a lot to um the main character and sort of how she feels about this whole situation, and it's like you're disgusted and disturbed, but you're still almost enjoying it. Like like Park Chan Wook's enforcing you to feel feel good about this, despite knowing like this is very brutal and this is hard to watch.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, it's the same kind of reason that people like the Punisher as a comic book character. I mean, there, it, sure, it's sadistic but, you know, you're, you've been following these characters f- for long enough and you you know what the antagonist has done. So it's, I guess, almost like this, it's sadistic again, sure, but a cathartic release as, you know, the families get to take their revenge on this man who has torn apart part their families and, mm-hmm. and ruined them, you know?
1: I think for that reason, um, yeah, Lady Vengeance is a lot more cathartic than Mr. Vengeance, which is just another tragedy in my in my eyes. Because oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah because Mr. Vengeance is is situated around a person who isn't necessarily a, a bad person, um, but he's he's simply trying to live just as much as. Uh, the other main character in Song Kang-ho's character. Mm -hmm. But obviously when his daughter is killed as a result of what this other character is doing, it's not something that he just feels ready to forgive for good reason. He's not ready to just allow that to happen.
0: Right. Well, and it's it's a tragedy for both characters because you also don't want to see Song Kang-ho's character become... "Quote unquote, Mr. Vengeance. You don't want to see him fall down that path and kill people. It isn't really a cathartic release because you want so much better for him. Um, ultimately, I'd say you want better for both of them. But you know, this is the tragedy of the movie, and this is this is what happened. And you know, they're both their lives are tumbling down towards that tragic conclusion." Mm-hmm. um and yeah like i i would agree that uh lady vengeance is is that it's that cathartic release in revenge mm-hmm. you know i i feel like each of the vengeance trilogy they, they give a different sort of vision of revenge mm-hmm. and lady vengeance is that more cathartic release it's a, it's a much more hopeful mm-hmm. conclusion like it, it at the end of lady vengeance it actually feels like our our main character can move on and maybe still have a normal life which as opposed to the other two it seems unlikely right
1: (laughs) i think mr vengeance is uh, more about what revenge can turn a person into Uh, lady vengeance is like that cathartic uh, feeling and Mm -hmm. old boy has i think a mix of uh, revenge makes you a monster, obviously, um, but also seeking out revenge may, or there's certain things in this world that you may not want to know. Uh, so perhaps pursuing these certain things like revenge is not the best idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that those are the kind of conclusions that Park Chanwick was looking for people to draw mm-hmm. <laughs> in each. And I like I say, I, I like that, you know, I mean, they could have been, revenge is a broad topic, sure, but they all could have been copies of each other. They could have wound up that way. Mm-hmm. But instead, he, he ponders different ideas with each of them. And I mean, obviously, it's important to note that the Vengeance trilogy, it's a trilogy of movies about revenge, sure, but they're not really connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like, too, that all of them, they, they feel different even in their cinematography. I would say that, again, Old Boy is probably, of the three, the most meticulous. Mm-hmm. But each one feels different visually and in terms of its content. And that keeps them, you know, fresh. I, back when we watched the Vengeance trilogy, I mean, we kind of, we went through them in pretty short succession. mm mm-hmm and you don't get bored of them you don't at all at any point feel bored with any of them i would say however that sympathy for mr vengeance is that that one left me with the i, I liked it i very much enjoyed it i gave it a, a four uh, just the same as joint security area but that one because of maybe that how tragic the ending really is or uh, there, there's like these lonely aspects to that movie too. It leaves you with this kind of horrible pit in your stomach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas Old Boy, again, a mix of emotions. And in Lady Vengeance, there's even like a little bit of a glimmer of hope there. Mm-hmm. So each one kind of leaves you in a different state. And I like that because it's almost like an emotional journey. I, I, I kind of want to and wonder how it would feel to watch the three of these movies in rapid succession one after the other Mm -hmm. i'd be very curious to see what kind of like emotional journey that is
1: (laughs) i I feel like you're, you're starting in a pretty dark place and it doesn't get much better for like four hours at the very least so
0: more than that yeah yeah <laughs> and i and i would say that it, it it's a pretty rough journey <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and you know all of these movies are fairly um dramatic and filled with action so i, I mean it might be a little bit of an overstimulating experience <laughs> to watch the three of them back to back like that i i would just be curious sometime
1: <laughs> uh, yeah i I'm not sure if I'm I'm too interested in doing that because it's like, I, I don't know if I can handle that wave of emotions in quick succession.
0: Right. Well, uh, with all that being said, everyone, I mean, that's that pretty much covers our current thoughts on Park Chan-wook. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Kobe and I really appreciate him as a director and his contributions to the world of cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, we also... As I said earlier in the podcast, we love Bong Jun Ho. I think maybe me so more than Kobe. Kobe prefers Park Chan Wook. Am I getting that right, Kobe? Uh,
1: that's hard to say. I think overall probably, but Parasite. Um, I think Parasite and Mother most recently are, are rising up in my favorites.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we'll have to do like a full episode on Bong jun Ho movies where waiting for the Criterion release of Memories of Murder mm. to do it, but uh, hopefully, once that happens, we can watch it, and I think we're both going to enjoy it, probably. <laughs> um, it's, it's, at least from descriptions, it sounds like it, it might even wind up being one of my favorite Bong Jun ho movies. Mm. I don't suspect that it'll surpass Parasite, you know the uh, near perfection that it is <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah we'll we'll see i guess but we're very excited for that and and look forward in the future to a, a bong junho centric episode mm-hmm. so anyway with all that being said thank you for joining us again today i'm destin and i'm kobe and we're signing off see you later